Uh, we're going to pray for that, and we're just going to jump right into the message today. But I just want to say this, that, you know, we don't pass buckets, and it's not a gimmick. It's just we really believe in conviction. Like, we want convicted givers. We don't want convenient givers. You understand? Conviction moves you out of convenience. Like, you got to go do something. You got to get your phone out. You got to walk across the room. Like, conviction moves your feet. I, we've removed the convenience in some ways, on purpose, with the passing of buckets. We removed it because the Lord told us to, okay? In fact, one of our leaders, Chip Allen, who's pastoring a microsite in Germany right now. Hi, guys. Love you. You're amazing. Uh, he actually came up to me and said, Caleb, we believe in giving from conviction. Why are we passing buckets? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, conviction moves your feet. Like, you got to do something with conviction. I'm like, convicted, you know? <laughs> so very early on, we stopped. We're like, nope, we're putting... And we were nervous about it. We we're like, oh, my gosh, what if we can't pay the bills, you know? And we've never been without. We've never lacked. It's been amazing. So come on. The Lord is faithful. Amen. Let's pray for that. And we're going to pray for the message. And you're going to pray for the speaker because he needs it and you need it. Amen. So thank you, Lord Jesus, for the opportunity to partner with you, partnering with you in our finances, partnering with you in the vision you've given this house to see human trafficking as a historical footnote in Tampa Bay's history books, to see poverty, drug abuse, homelessness, all of it eradicated in our lifetime, to see the righteousness of God become attractive again as it was in the days of Jesus. Thank you, God, for that vision. I pray every dollar would be stewarded well so that we can multiply that vision and we can move towards your heart in these things. God, raise us up to be a city on a hill who's here to bless, to give, not to take. We thank you, Lord, for it. In Jesus' name, we bless the, those who give and the offering today. Lord Jesus, we also pray for this message. We pray that you would come and you would do what you do, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we ask you to convict of righteousness, sin, and judgment. Come on, anyone dare to pray that with me today? Holy Spirit, convict me, Caleb, of righteousness, sin, and judgment. You should pray for yourself, the person in your chair. Holy Spirit, convict me of righteousness. Show me how to be right with you because I'm one with you. Convict me of any sin, of judgment, anything, anything in my life, Lord, that you don't like. Get it out today. Knock it out. I want to please you with my whole life. Come on. That's a, that's a prayer from the true church right there. I want to please you with my whole life. Lord Jesus, we pray that you'd come in power today. Heal bodies, even as I'm speaking. Let miracles break out. Let people leave here changed from the inside out because they met with you. They didn't hear from a man. They heard the Son of Man. They heard your voice. Speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. I need you to remember that I love you the rest of the day. <laughs> Just say it. Caleb loves me. Come on. Say Caleb loves me. I do. I do. I love you. I love you. I'd take a bullet for any single person here. I would. I mean it. My life is not my own. I know where I'm going. If it's my day, it's going to be a glorious one. Hello? Come on. You live with eternity in your heart or no? Like, this is like, whoosh, this is so quick. All right. I love you. And I'm warning you right now that I'm about to preach a warning word. I'm warning you about the warning coming, okay? That's how much I love you. <laughs> if, you can, if you have to preach hard things and you don't care about the hearts that are receiving it, you shouldn't preach hard things. You shouldn't preach. Stop. Quit. 
you don't care about the hearts that are hearing you, then shut up. I'm not apologizing. But today's a warning. Last week, we talked about how kingdom stewardship equals what? Multiplication. Pastor Philip with the win. Yes, sir. I'm glad my staff listens to the sermons. <laughs> that was for me, not for him. <laughs> kingdom stewardship equals multiplication. That means you should be stewarding to multiply. Amen? If you only have that word, but you don't have this one, you can get into error very quickly. If you only have this word I'm about to give you and don't have that one, you'll get grumpy very quickly, okay? So you need both. If you didn't hear last week, it's okay. It's on our YouTube channel. Please, it's like they go together, okay? That's what I'm telling you. They go together. They're not really required, but it'll help to hear both, okay? Deal? Okay, so if this is hitting you sideways, or you're like, it's being mean, or I don't believe that, just listen to next, last week first before you write me the email. That's all I'm asking, okay? So here's the warning today. Are you ready? Okay, two said yes, so that's all I need, two. We need to break free from the age of consumerism. The church of Jesus Christ is bound by the plague of consumer Christianity. Bound. I warned you, right? I warned you? Okay. Consumer Christianity is a plague there are certain ages of the church. The beginning, this is very broad brush. The very beginning was warfare. We're advancing the kingdom. Love is going to win. I'll die for this thing. And then it turned into like clergy and lay people, holy people, unholy people who just, you know, got taught a few things and were wretched the rest of their lives and praise God went to heaven if they said a prayer. And now it's become an enterprise. Now the church is commercialized. And we're creating consumer Christians and we don't even know it. The Western church has made an art out of the weekly exchange of goods in order to receive more from God. Churches often do what they do in order to get something from the people instead of please the Father. Lots of insecurity out there. This is a warning. Okay? This is a warning. You need to watch for this. Okay? Some ministers need an altar call to feel like they're a man. This, I'm telling you the truth. Some people need a response in order to feel like they're a, even a son of God or a daughter of the king. That's insecurity. What I'm about to say should bring you comfort, but it might not right away. But just, just sit with it for a second, okay? Just consider it for a second. I don't need you. I don't need you. I don't need to do this. I don't need to see all your beautiful faces. I like them. I love you. I don't need you. Like, we're two or more gathered, yeah? He's there. I just need him. And I got a wife and two kids. I'm good. I can stay home. I spend all day Sunday with people who are not my family. My direct family. You understand? I do this out of obedience, not because I'm looking for something. Like, I can stay home and get really happy. With my family in Jesus. We could even take an offering. My sons would bring their toys and just be like, to the Lord. This excavator is for Yahweh. You know? <laughs> they love that. They love excavators. Thing. They could, we could. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That should comfort you. Because I'm not looking for anything from you. 
I don't know who gives. I never will, ever. I have a team for that. Praise God. I don't need to know. Are you with me? Are you understanding what I'm saying? Okay. Here's why this is important. Because Jesus hates, with a capital H, he hates commercialization of his bride. He hates it. He hates it. Commercialization is, the, is really making the object of your efforts maximizing profit. Everything I do is because I want to maximize the profit. That's commercialization. And he hates it. I'll prove it to you. John chapter 2, verse 12 through 22. This is where Jesus flips some tables and all stuff. Might be a popular passage because everybody likes seeing Jesus get a little angry, you know. Yeah. It's actually right after his first miracle. He does it at the beginning and end of his ministry. So after his first miracle where he turns water into wine, the very next day he gets a whip and makes people wine, all right? It's the next day, all right? It says, after the wedding, Jesus, his mother and brothers, and his disciples traveled to Capernaum and stayed there for a few days. When the time was close for the Jewish Passover to begin, Jesus walked to Jerusalem. So it's the next few days. As he went into the temple courtyard, he noticed it was filled with merchants selling oxen. Just so you know, temple courtyard, that's like where the sacrifices are made to God. This isn't just like the courtyard, like at the mall. All right. This is where you're supposed to have worship to God. Are you with me? Okay. As he walked, as, yeah, as he went into the temple courtyard, he noticed it was filled with merchants selling oxen, lambs, and doves for exorbitant prices, while others were overcharging as they exchanged currency behind their counters. So Jesus found some cords and made them into a whip. Now listen, listen. I've been mad, all right? I've been angry before. I've never been the sit on the curb and braid a whip kind of angry. <laughs> like, how mad do you have to be to sit down and make yourself a whip? <laughs> what were Peter, James, and John thinking, watching him braid a whip? Like, if I'm standing there and Jesus see something, gets mad, sits down, and starts braiding a whip. I'm leaving. I'm walking away. I'm getting some distance. I have no idea what's about to happen, you know? And he's, he's, he's making himself a weapon. Okay. He made them into a whip. Then he drove out every one of them and their animals from the courtyard of the temple. And he kicked their tables filled with money, scattering it everywhere. And he told the merchants, get these things out of here. Don't you dare commercialize my father's house. Now get this. The flipping of the tables was for the people. The whipping of the whip was for the animals. I've heard people preach this really badly that he was whipping people. No, 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 you don't have that right. I, it was righteous anger when I, no, you don't, no. The only thing that animals understand, except for their shepherd's voice, is a whip. Okay, so he was communicating to the people with his voice. He was communicating to the animals with the whip. That's what drove the animals out. He wasn't cracking people's skulls with the whip, all right? Cool. I know, you're like, dang. No. Don't you dare commercialize my father's house. That's when his disciples remember the scripture. I'm consumed with a fiery passion to keep your house pure. Then the Jewish, Jewish religious leaders challenged Jesus. What authority do you have to do this sort of thing? And what supernatural sign will you show us to prove it? Jesus answered, destroy this temple and I will raise it up again in three days. 
Then the Jewish leader sneered at Jesus' answer. This temple took 46 years to build, and you mean to tell us that you will raise it up in three days? But they failed to understand that Jesus was speaking of the temple of his body. The disciples remembered his prophecy after Jesus rose from the dead and believed both the scripture and what Jesus had said. Amen? Amen. Now listen, let's go. I'll take you to the kiddie pool real quick. All right? This is the kiddie pool, shallow end. This is where most people preach this message, and it's embarrassing. I'm just going to tell you. It's embarrassing. They say, see, can't sell stuff in church. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> Completely missed the point. Totally missed the point. We're going to have some awesome hats and T-shirts for sale in a couple weeks, and you're going to be like, Caleb, do you remember your sermon from two weeks ago? Hello? Jesus is going to turn that table with them hats right over. No. That is not what it says. But people say, does this mean we can't sell stuff at church? No. He was angered at the extreme prices and the fact that they were cheating people out of their money. Exploitation. That is not my opinion. That's just what the Bible said just now. I just read it. Did you read it? Were you with me? Okay. So, and by the way, I'm going to get into this later. You are the temple now. So, like, if your logic is true, you can't sell anything ever. Because you are the temple selling in church. Okay, we'll get there. This is the context. The merchants were selling animals in order to be sacrificed in worship. Okay, Gigi, aren't you glad that you're a new covenant worship pastor? I mean, just gross, right? I would not be down with that. I would not want to be a church leader back then. It's a meat locker, y'all. I don't like seeing how my food is prepared. All right, like they... It was gross, just in my opinion. So they're selling animals to be sacrificed. And here's the deal. If you, were, if you didn't have your own flocks, your own herd, you couldn't raise your own sacrifices. You had to buy one, yeah? And if you had to buy one because you didn't have a herd, you didn't have a money-making machine in your family. That means you were poor, a day laborer, okay? Now, there are many merchants selling things on the streets all the way up to the church. Jesus didn't get mad at them. Jesus didn't do what we do, go into the world and get mad at the world for being the world. Jesus went into the church. You know, judgment starts in the house of God. You best slow up your calls for judgment because it's coming for you first. Judgment is coming right here first. You understand? Okay. That was free. He went into the temple. Why? Because this is what was going on. They were overcharging for the same type of sacrifice that would have been sold on the street for much less. And they were doing it, getting away with it, saying, these are special sacrifices. These are more anointed. God will be more pleased with this sacrifice than that raggedy one outside. It's 10 times more, you know, but he'll be 10 times less pleased if you get that. Don't bring that in here. They were keeping the poor from being able to offer sacrifice to God. Let me help you. They were keeping the poor away from God. That's the thing that'll make Jesus sit down and make a whip. Not whether you sell t-shirts at your church. Come on. Are you keeping the poor out of the presence? Are you putting obstacles they can't jump over? Saying, well, God must not be for you. Whatever. 
merchants were cheating people out of their ability to worship God. Only the rich were able to offer what the law of Moses would have called a pleasing, acceptable sacrifice. Think of it. Only the rich were able to do it. They could not afford a nice sacrifice. Not only, listen, I don't know if I put this somewhere else, but I want to put it, understand. Not only were they overcharging, they were doing an exchange. They were cheating them on the exchange rate. So you got to come in, you got to get ours because God's more pleased with our sacrifices. And you can't use that money. You need our temple money. You need this kind of money. And so we're going to do an exchange, but we're going to hike up the exchange rate. So by the time they exchanged their money, they couldn't even afford the animal that they couldn't afford before. They're getting cheated twice. They were commercializing the temple, making it into a place of profit for themselves. Now listen to me very carefully. Making a profit to bless the poor and making a profit off the poor are very different things. We're going to be selling t-shirts because it's all going to go in our building fund. It's a strategy the Lord gave us. Sell great shirts. People walk around. Where'd you get that shirt? Oh, you can buy it. Then all that money goes into the building fund. No one's pocketing that. Why do we need a building fund? Well, because we got a prophetic word about it. And we're following the Lord. We're partnering with the words of God over our house. That we're going to be moving soon. Because this place can't fit us. It already can't fit us. I don't know if you understand. Three campuses. I drove to South Tampa and back just to preach this morning. All right? We are going to expand so that the lost will be found. The found will get free. And peace will reign in our city. That's why we're selling t-shirts. If you're still mad, stay mad. I don't care. It's fine. Jesus was consumed with a fiery passion to keep his house pure. And according to 1 Corinthians 6, 19, we are now the temple of God. Amen? Come on. So here's the question. Are you using your temple to charge people before they enter the presence of God? Let me put it another way. Are you putting obstacles in the way of others to enter into his presence? Like the clothes they wear, the lifestyle they live, the beliefs they hold, the way they treated you in the past, their personality type or aggravating traits. You're like, oh, I, don't, I can't invite them to church into the presence of God because I might have to sit next to them. Are we telling people they can't come and worship God until they pay the price for a proper sacrifice? Okay, I'll just say it. Like, are we going to continue in this God-awful, commercialistic, consumeristic trend of making people live a certain way before they come in to find the author of life? Are we going to continue in that? I'm talking capital C church, Western church. Grow the crap up, okay? And get over yourself. It's not about you. We can't have that kind of person come worship in here. What will that say about us? Yeah, that's the problem. You're thinking about you, not about their eternity, not about their depression, not about their problems. Come as you are. We mean it. Watching live stream, you feel like you can't worship here. You can. You're like, well, what if they consumerism? I'm trying to put my finger right on it. When it's about what we get from people, we're running what Jesus called a den of thieves. <laughs> 
Jesus spoke in a parable at the end of this scripture to prove that it's not about the place. It's about the people. Can we sell stuff in church? You are the church. It's about the people. It's about your heart. About why? Come on. He speaks of his body as a temple, and we are that body. Amen? Come on. You might even be going like, I'm not getting much from this. Consumer. Hello. Would he change the subject, please? I'm not getting a lot out of that. I'm talking straight at you. You know, we're called to honor God with our bodies, become a living sacrifice. Yeah, they had dying sacrifices. We're living sacrifices. Amen. Here's one way we should honor God with our bodies. Do not hinder people from coming into his presence. Invite anyone and everyone, no matter what. Listen, if we don't have rough people in here, you are not being the church. Like, but they smell weird. You know who smells weird in the spirit? You. Because you claim to love God and love people, but you don't love the one in front of you. Not enough to get uncomfortable. But it's going to take from my family. It's going to confuse my kids. That's the big one. I'm just letting the Lord pull the handbrake for a second here if he needs to. I want to speak what he's saying. Amen. Invite anyone and everyone. Jesus doesn't only flip the tables once. He does it twice. Okay. He does it at the very beginning, at the very end of his ministry. Sounds important, right? It's where he begins and ends his ministry on the earth. Matthew 21, 12 through 13 is where he's coming. The triumphal entry just happened. He's coming into Jerusalem. It's the holy week as we call it. Yeah. He's going to die at the end of the week. And it says upon entering Jerusalem, Jesus went directly into the temple area and drove away all the merchants who were buying and selling their goods. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the stands of those selling doves. You understand this means they set shop back up. It's the same temple. It's not like he went to another temple somewhere else. It's the same temple. The people he, he drove out earlier waited for him to leave. And then they're like, okay, that, that guy's crazy. Let's try again here. Let's start over. Come on. You're like, God, why are you dealing me with me on this again? Because you refused correction the first time. <laughs> why is God speaking to me about that again? I already dealt with that. Apparently not. He's still adjusting you. Maybe you've dealt with some of it, but he wants to correct you all the way into alignment with his word. And he does it in measures out of mercy. Amen. So don't get discouraged when he treat, you know, gives you a little pow pow disciplines, the one he loves. Right. Don't be discouraged. Go, wow, I, I'm going to receive this correction all the way this time. That's wisdom. OK. He said to them, the guys who set back up shop. My dwelling place will be known as a house of prayer, but you have made it into a hangout for thieves. Jesus wants a house of prayer, not a house of consumers. Oh, you think the money changers were the only thieves? No, no, no. No, no, no. What is a thief? Someone who takes. Someone who just takes and takes and takes. They don't earn. They don't go work. They, they steal. They're on the receiving end. You know what consumer Christianity is in a nutshell? You only take. You're here to consume. 
You go to God to get. I warned them. I warned them. <laughs> we become a den of thieves when we set up systems to take from people rather than making every effort to give to God. Commercialism, again, is placing an emphasis on maximizing profit. So when our goal is to maximize the profit we can get from people, we are running a den of thieves. I'm just talking church world now, all right? I'm going to put the spotlight on me, on the people who do my job, all right? Here's how it usually comes about right here. Oh, we don't talk about that topic here. People might get uncomfortable and leave. We can't preach it that way. So-and-so has a problem with that. I know about it. And out of concern for their hearts... I mean, their wallet. I mean, their hearts. We're not going to talk about that. They're a big giver, and if I tick them off, they might take them and their family with them, and how do I pay the bills, and blah, blah, blah. We don't tell people to repent. They might never come back. Well, at least your blood isn't on the, your, their blood isn't on your hands. At least in the sight of God, you did your job. I said, God has something better for you than that wickedness you're walking in. It's killing you and everyone around you, and you know it. I don't even got to tell you. I got to tell you that there's rescue. I got to tell you to turn from harming yourself and others and into his embrace, into his love, into his mercy. Run headlong towards God and out of your darkness. Right now, today, please. We can't say that's sinful. Got a bunch of people who are in process. That's where it goes. We're, well, we're just in process. Okay. Okay. You're the one concerned about you if you're talking like that. If God says say it and you're like, I can't say it because they'll, they won't like it. You're commercializing the bride. You're commercializing the bride of Christ. You do that to my wife, I'm going to be pretty mad. I'm going to be sit down on the curb, make a whip kind of mad. All of this creates consumer Christians, that kind of system, all right? So me, now all of us, creates consumer Christian, creates an atmosphere for that. It teaches people to come in and make a trade of their time for the blessing of God's presence, like a slot machine. I give God a couple hours on Sunday, and he will bless me back. That's consumerism. It's, I hate it when the church, God bless you if you talk about the church this way. I'm not mad at you. I'm not. But I can't stand it when the church is spoken of as a restaurant. I hate that. I'm not working for tips. Okay? I'm not here catering to your taste. You don't get to pick from the menu. And the, the consumer idea is alive and well because if you don't like it here, there's a church down the street. There's a better restaurant right around the corner. And you just go eat there instead. Consumerism. It's a plague. Am I making this up? Yeah, it's real. We need to come as givers. We need to come as those who give God thanks. That's why we start every gathering that way. We're trying to get you in the mode of giving to God. To give God thanks. To give God praise. Do his name. To give God worship, to give him attention, give him our hearts, our minds, our very lives, to step onto the altar and become an altar, a burning one for God, a living sacrifice who loves others because we've been loved, not because we need something from you. 
But instead, it's, I really didn't like the worship this week. I didn't really resonate with that sermon. I love Francis Chan's quote so good. It got memeified, so it's, it's in the halls of history forever. It's in a meme form, so it's on the wall of eternity, I'm pretty sure. Someone came up to Francis Chan once, famous minister, serious dude. I don't agree with him on a lot of things, but I like him. I mean every word of that sentence. Somebody said to him, I didn't really like worship today. He said, that's okay. We weren't worshiping you. <laughs> so good. But man, does it not put the finger on the problem, right? Listen, we gather to encounter Jesus together. Amen. But that does not mean we come to consume God. We come to be consumed by God. We do not come to consume God. We come to be consumed by him. Be consumed by his love, his power, his mercy. Consumer Christianity takes and takes and takes. It never gives. It never gives. I've been to Israel with some friends right here, actually, in the second row. Love you guys. Great to see you. Thanks for surprising me. I'm going to hug you really tight after this. And there's two bodies of water. I talk about this many times. It's just a great picture. Two main bodies of water, the Sea of Galilee and then the Dead Sea. Okay. Sea of Galilee is a fresh water source. And there's a very specific reason because it has an inflow and an outflow because water comes in and water goes out, in and out, in and out. It's used for washing clothes, drinking water, all of that. It's actually one of the main sources of water for all of Israel. Okay. And Proverbs 11.25 says, whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one whose waters will himself be watered. It starts with bringing blessing, starts with watering. It starts with giving, not getting. Fresh water source. And then there's the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea. Where you float, you know. Even I float straight up and down like a pencil or a mop, whatever, you know, like a mop. Probably looks like a mop. I can flow straight up and down. <laughs> All right. Salt content is through the roof. And there's one reason for that, because it only has an inflow. It receives rain. It doesn't have any outlet. It just receives. It doesn't give. You can't get it in your eyes. Can't get it in your ears. Can't get it in your mouth. It's hurtful to look at, hurtful to hear, hurtful to taste. Hello, Western church. What's the reputation of the church in America? The Dead Sea. Salty Christians. You're supposed to become the salt of the earth, not a salty Christian. Okay. Second Corinthians 9, 6 says the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly, again, starting with the giving aspect, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. In Jesus' day, people were allowed to commercialize the poor in order to gain something from them and consume their goods. In our day, people are taught to consume more than they contribute, and the results are salty Christians. Taught to consume. You come, you eat, you leave. Listen, I know my call is to feed the sheep. You know how I feed the sheep? I get the sheep hungry, I teach them how to eat. 
I teach you how to eat and I make you hungry for what you should be eating. That's what I do. I'm not here play, spoon feeding you. I'm actually up here going, hey, doesn't that smell good? Go get it. You got to work a little bit. You got to move with conviction. You got to contribute. You know, this is not boastful. It's just evidence. Okay? Just evidence. You don't have to believe me. I was going to say believe me, but you don't have to. I don't, I don't care. It's true. Our serve team, if our serve team, our volunteers, we don't call them that. We call them serve team members. If you, if you put that in the normal statistics of a regular church in the United States, we would be a church of 1,000 people every weekend, or around 300, 350, depending, okay, between three campuses. Did you hear what I just said? Our, our metric, the people who serve, really, if you put it in proper percentages, we'd be a church of 1,000 people, okay? That's how many people serve here. That's called the fruit of the word of God working in our lives. That's not my genius. It's not. It's people moving with conviction like, I need to give. I need to, I need to help. I need to serve. I need to contribute. I can't just come here and take. That's the work of the Lord. Amen? You might not think that's a big deal, but all pastors complain about is the lack of giving and the lack of serving. Okay? And we actually have a great amount of both. Never lacked. Ever. Month one. Ask my team. We'll give you the numbers. Month one. Why? Because we refuse to manipulate you. We refuse to posture as if you need to give us something. That's not how it works. We need to break free from the age of commercialism. Consumerism, I'm sorry. We need to break free from the age of consumerism. It's a trap that keeps the church bound and unfruitful. Again, what's the reputation on the church? Is it, oh, those people are so loving. Oh, I love Christians. They're so kind. You hear that? That's the sound of conviction right there. Those people are so patient. They're so full of goodness. Is the world saying that about us? Quite the opposite. I unfriended every Christian on my Facebook feed. I saw that on my Facebook feed. I'm like, ha ha, they don't know. <laughs> and I talk about Jesus all the time. I'm like, yes. <laughs> Because when they say Christian, they mean mean-spirited, money-hungry hypocrite. So I didn't fit in the box, and I didn't get unfriended. Huh. Hallelujah. We need better fruit. Listen to me. This is so harmful, okay? Consumerism actually hurts those who have tried to come to God, and we're told they didn't have what it takes who actually came to church, who actually asked about Jesus, and they were responding with, oh, well, you can't live like that and come in here. You can't believe that and be with us. You don't belong here. I'm not making anything up right now. I got people on the front row, on the front row, who they and I, I won't point them out, they and I have been in the room with the people when they say these things. You cannot come back here. Because you're doing that. That's keeping the poor out of the presence. It's keeping those who are bound out of freedom. It's commercialization. I can't get anything from you in that state, so please don't come in here. Listen to me. If you're here 
and you were told, or you're watching live stream, and you were told that you're not good enough for God, I am here to tell you those people were thieves and liars. Liars. They were not pastors. They were liars. They were thieves. It wasn't the church. It was an enterprise masquerading as the church. It was a den of thieves. God says you're worth the blood of his one and only son. Jesus Christ, the only true God, says you're to die for. And all he asks is you believe that he thinks you're to die for. Oh, man, it's really hard to believe. He came here. God, think of it. Think of it. I know you're like, oh, I know the gospel. No, no, no. Think of it. God unclothed himself from glory, became like us, born of a virgin, felt pain, had to rely on, a, on his mother's milk. God had to rely on his mother's milk. Do you believe Jesus is God? Am I talking to the right people? Okay. God had to be protected by humans, and then he was handed over to humans. He died in the hands of his creation. A miserable death. After living a perfect life. Why? So that he could defeat death, hell, and the grave. So that he could raise again, and he did. Three days later, he rose again, and he's alive right now. That voice hitting your heart is not mine. It's his. He's saying, I want you. He's saying, I think you're to die for. I love you. You don't have to do something to earn me. I gave you myself as a gift. He wants to give you what the Bible calls times of refreshing in his presence. All you have to do is believe that he's God. Repent. That means turn, think differently and turn away from things that are evil and hurtful and harmful and turn towards life. And times of refreshing will come. Not times of punishment, not times of rebuke, times of refreshing. He wants to give you righteousness, peace and joy. I can't find a single person who doesn't want all three of those things. All you have to do is give, your, give him your brokenness, failure, and sin. That's what he wants. <laughs> this is a good Jewish deal. Okay? I love that joke. <laughs> Righteousness, peace, and joy in exchange for your failure, brokenness, and sin. You're like, but what do I have to do? Believe. Well, don't I have to join your church? No. Don't I, I'm going to have to start living right. It'll happen naturally. Don't worry. The thing you've been trying to do your whole life, like just do the right thing, it's going to happen naturally. It's called fruit. You've been disconnected from the source looking for the fruit. It ain't going to happen. Once we receive Jesus, we find contentedness for our souls and we become a blessing in the earth. We get to be those who give, not those who take. We no longer just consume everything and everyone around us. We get to be those who contribute to the livelihood of those who need it. We get to be the light of the world. So would you stand? We're going to have Gigi come up. I need the prayer team to come forward. And this is the time of our gathering where the Lord showed me a few weeks ago. I need to put you in a little bit of a pressure cooker to respond. 
that there needs to be a bold boldness about our response. You could you should not hear the word of the Lord and then just go to lunch. All right. You should respond. So we're going to pull down these lights. Gigi's going to play. And you need to close your eyes right now and ask the Lord what your response is to be. Every person, ask God, Lord, how am I to respond to this? Is there any consumerism in my heart? Am I hurt by those who have commercialized me? Do you want to heal something, Lord? Come on, ask the Lord. What do you want to heal? What do you want to do in my heart? What do you want to break me free in, free from? Where do you want to take me, Lord? And if you're here, you can begin to pray at any time if you'd like to. You can respond to God. You can pray. You can pray for your neighbors. You can pray for your family who doesn't know Jesus. But right now, if you're here and you do not know the Lord, if you have not received life and life abundantly, and you just heard maybe for the first time that God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. He wants to receive you into his own and give you his life. Get down here to this team right now. Move your feet. Do not wait another second. Don't stay disconnected another second from the author of life. Walk down right now. If you feel convicted in your heart, like, oh man, I've been coming to get. I go to God to get. I don't go to God to give. And you want the prayer of agreement to break that cycle in your life. Move your feet right now. If you have pain in your body and you need to be healed, don't wait for me to call it out. Just come down right now. Gigi's gonna lead us in this song. And I want everyone to ask the Lord how to respond. Come to the altar if that's your response. Or stay in your chair and pray to God. Give him worship. Lift your voice. Come on. Oh, brother, we see you. Come on. Praise God. Respond to the Lord. Respond to the Lord. If you don't know Jesus, move your feet. What are you waiting for? Come on. If you have brokenness, you want to leave, come to the altar right now. Husbands and wives. If all you do is fight about money, get down here right now. Come on. Humble yourself before the Lord. Don't worry about who's looking. Every eye closed. Come on. All we are, give you permission. Our hearts are yours. We want you. Come on. Either worship, pray, ask the Lord, or come to the altar. Everyone responding. Come on. All we are, we give you permission. Our hearts are yours. We want you. If you're watching online, we have a team watching. You can type in the comments, I need Jesus. I need prayer. Go ahead and respond. Come on. Come on, church, lift your voices. Pray for those who don't know the Lord. Pray for your own heart. Respond to Jesus. Come and consume God, all we are. Don't be afraid. The Lord's love is calling you. Come on, don't be afraid. The Lord's love is calling you. Yeah, come on. Come on, everyone else, sing to the Lord. Pray. Sing, we love you. We love you. We'll never stop. We can't live without 
sing, come and consume God, all we are. By the power of your spirit, I ask you, Holy Spirit, grip every heart. If they don't know you, don't let them leave without times of refreshing in your presence. God, grip our hearts, convict us. If we need, if there's something in our life that needs to be burned away, burn it out, Jesus. We leave it, we leave it at your feet. We say, take it, Lord. Come on. I need a little more help. Maybe Pastor Scott, if you can come down. Here's what we're gonna do. Gigi's gonna keep playing for a minute. And we're just gonna close just like this. You do with the business with the Lord that you feel you need to do. But we ask you just to, if you have kids at TRP kids, grab them. And we bless you to walk with the Lord of love. And we say, there's nothing he can't do. So if you didn't come to the altar, but you need to, this team will stay here. Come to the altar. Let them pray for you. Amen? Otherwise, hug somebody, bless them real good, and we'll see you next week. We love you, we love you, we love you. Respond to the Lord. Bless one another around you. Have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful day.